So today we get into the meat of the Sermon on the Mount with our lesson text from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. And there's a reason we've been a little brimstony here today. When it comes to the topic of anger, this should tickle our toes a little bit. Hear now the word of the Lord. You have heard it said of, to those in ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts may be an honor and glory to you, and that you may keep us in the spirit of anger. Amen. So first, the thing that pops up into everyone's head is, yes, even Jesus gets mad. Anger is a very broad term, and unfortunately, if I get into defining this, it's just going to dilute the message. Here, the term in Greek would be something that we'd call like wrath or spirit or rage, but at the same time, it would be annoyance or just plain dislike. But all those different words for anger, they don't really mean anything except in books. I don't know anyone who says, I have wrath against my neighbor today. But there's an issue with saying all that right up front. Because the first issue we have when we talk about anger is we justify anger. Anger comes from who we are. It comes from our ego. It feels really good sometimes. We know that Jesus gets mad at sin. He gets mad at the disciples' mistakes. He gets mad at the bad religion of the Pharisees. Jesus even calls the Pharisees fools. But the problem we have is we assume that because Jesus got angry at somebody and had a good reason to do it for an external cause that was causing harm to someone else, our ego always grabs a hold of that, or maybe I should use another Freudian term of id, grabs a hold of that, and we assume that our anger is perfectly justified. We tend to like this teaching of not having anger for other people, because other people get angry for wrong reasons. Who hasn't made the apology, I'm sorry you got upset. Not sorry for what I said, I'm just sorry you didn't like it. But see, this also hits home because we live in the 21st century. Religion can make us angry, because religion can get to that sense of self, and the second someone says something that contracts our beliefs, our self, our ego gets hurt. And we know that the worst kind of anger that ever comes 
is when it gets a hold of us and we say it serves God. Heaven help us if someone angry thinks that's going to serve God. But I'm going to push today. The very worst attitude we can have here, though, is if we are sitting here wondering to ourselves, how can I still get mad? <laughs> All right, we shouldn't get really mad, but can I get sort of mad? Or can I get mad in this situation? That is the single worst attitude to take into Jesus' teaching here, because all through this series, we're going to have to be avoiding legalism. We're going to have to be avoiding making religion about breaking rules. Jesus said that was the Pharisees' righteousness. They just had a religion where if you don't break the commandment, you're cool. Jesus said, no, it goes a lot further than just not doing wrong. You have to actually be good. So we can't make this teaching on anger about just don't get angry. We have to make it somewhat positive, do some good, and we'll get there. But if we try to keep anger in the legal place, it won't help. And also, this needs some basic gospel, people. This is impossible teaching for a man to keep by himself. It's 100% doable by grace. By faith we're saved, and it's by trusting faith that we can actually get down into this. So let's look at these teachings a little, a little more. You've heard it said to those in ancient times, you shall not murder. Whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, if you're angry with a brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to hell of fire. So Jesus here is making a big difference between how God does justice and human legal systems are limited. The only way humans can really do anything to try to control anger is to have some sort of court system. And the only char time you ever get charged for murder in a human system, hopefully, is when you've actually gotten to the point of killing someone. But here Jesus is making a point that with God, the second you're angry, you're under judgment. The second it moves to some sort of insult, you get held up in front of the council. And Jesus is saying when it actually comes out of your mouth, you're sitting at the divine tribunal with your soul in the judgment. Human court versus God's court here. Anger is an issue on the inside. And while we can't take the glib, every single sin is the same, so if I'm angry, I might as well kill the guy attitude. No, murder is worse than getting mad. We have to realize that God is going to judge this a hundred percent harshly. Because the real thing about anger, James tells us the real problem about it in his epistle, chapter 1, verse 20. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. There's just really no way for you to say me getting angry forwards God's kingdom. Now you could get angry in a Pharisee system where the only point is don't break the rules. You could get really mad that someone has broke the rules. But in a system where it's not a religion of rules, it's not a religion of stipulations, but of creating a positive spirit and creating, I dare say, a people of God united to one another, anger with each other will not do it. It will actively stand in the way of the kingdom. But I have to get this one in. One of the biggest things Jesus escalates here is he starts from murder, but he ends on something specific. He says, if you say, you fool, raka in Hebrew, you'll be liable to hell. So Jesus ends this on insults. And this one's going to get me to something that ticks me off. I get angry at angry. Otto von Bismarck, 
the Prussian prime minister of a very warlike country said, even in a declaration of war, one observes the rules of politeness. We ask, hey Jesus, why did you go to calling your brother a fool and you go straight to hellfire? I can tell you why. Swearing and insults are a hundred percent avoidable sin. You could be the most vile devil, but you don't have to cuss. You could say the most insulting thing to somebody, but you don't have to use naughty language. There's no way to appeal to depravity to say that, oh, well, I must do something. You could say the meanest things to somebody and not swear. But Jesus is here saying it goes one deeper. It's a swear against someone else. Why would you ever call somebody a name if you are trying to build the people of God? Why would you ever call somebody anything bad if you want brotherhood? This is salt of the earth, remember? Jesus said this is going to insult people. And people have left the church to keep hate. People have left Christian congregations since day one because they wanted to keep a fight going on with someone else. But we see even in our nation on the big topics of hate, there are places where people are leaving the church because they do not like stories of racial equality, of letting all that old southern crud go. Because let's face it, there's even time the world insists we hate too. We have people who get mad that the church doesn't get mad. They get mad that we forgive. They don't like the fact that we send a chaplain in to go preach to save that soul on death row. But let's just take a secular example of all this. Anger is not needed to combat evil. Even in open conflict of war, it's cool heads that prevail. The, the problem here, and, and the thing that gets us with anger so much, is we boil it all down and, and get to the core. We believe anger gives us a power. And we believe that because most of us have been hurt by someone who's angry. What does a bully do? He comes in real hot and heavy, screaming. You get this customer who comes in, and what do they do when they want to get their way because they're outside of the return policy? They start screaming. And we live in this world where what we learn from bullies is that anger makes them strong. It's what makes them scary. And we also live in a world where sometimes the only way it seems we can get away from the bullies is to get angrier. We have these movies where, or these songs where the problem with the main character is, is he doesn't get mad. And when he finally gets mad, it's almost like he gets his Superman powers on and now he's going to beat up the bad guy. But no, that's not how it works. You get into what one zitcom I heard once called a cycle of yelling. People get angry at other people. They get angry at other people. And if we don't put a break on it, we start looking out at it as society and we wonder, why are these young men so angry? How come they can't calm down? What can we do to try to stop these things that are affecting us in our streets and our malls and our places of worship? No, because my friends, it takes great strength moral fortitude and everything you got and jesus gives us the holy spirit because we can't do it on our own to reject anger is just take the example of combat sports it's only the strongest fighter who doesn't get mad when he gets punched in the face it's only the best general who doesn't get upset when his troops get pushed back that can save them we think and we have bought this lie that anger makes us strong that if you're mean to me and I somehow cut you down by the ego, that's going to empower me. And Jesus is saying, have none of that. And he also warns us that if we embrace anger, 
Then we get into what we talked about last week. We lose our saltiness. How, what does it say about the church that today Christians get as mad as anyone else? That you can even talk about some churches and people don't want to show up because they're madder than everyone else. They think that that anger is going to empower them. How many times do Christians insult one another? Jesus says that's losing the salt, folks. And we wonder why we get spit out. We wonder why we don't have an effective witness. So yes, I get mad at anger, and I'm slightly tempted to go into brimstone. But to illustrate the issue, I have to go here, because guess who goes to brimstone on the issue of anger? Jesus. And people get mad at that whole topic of hell and everything else. They, they know that they're good people, and for whom anger is no issue, and there's even folks who get mad at narrow-minded preachers of speaking of hell, but I'm bringing it up on this one because it's not a deep subject here. You can try all the religions and all the paths you want, but you'll find Buddhist Naraka, Islam's Jahanna, Hindu hell, and everything else. Every single spiritual path that our race has ever devised says anger will send you there. So don't be amazed when Christ Jesus... The living God is standing there saying, get rid of anger. Like I said, anger should tickle our toes. But there is a spiritual path here. Let's not get caught up in the legalism. We did enough of that. Jesus gives a second teaching here. It'd be one thing if he just said, don't do anger. Every group does that. But Jesus gives them an example. He says, if you are standing at the temple offering a gift, that wasn't something they did every day. You went to the temple maybe once every five years or so, and you remember your brother has something against you. So you remember someone's mad at you. You're not necessarily mad at them, but they're the one mad at you. Jesus says to leave the gift at the altar. And remember, he's standing in Galilee, 60 miles, 10 days away. He's saying, leave your gift at the altar and go. Be reconciled to your brother, and then come back and give your offering. Jesus' deepest spiritual teaching here, and the gauntlet he throws down at the church, the effective witness he gives us, the Holy Spirit moving through each and every one of us, is that we are not called to be a people who are not angry. We are called to be a people who see anger in other people, even if it's at us justly, and do something about it. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. And sometimes it's our fault that we need to make peace. This would be an effective witness. This might be something better than just a law or trying to legislate everything. This would be a look that actually snoops out and sees where young men are mad. This would be one where just amongst ourselves as Christians, we'd be able to see where this anger is getting a root and pluck the thing out. This would get rid of all of our pride. This would make us very humble because the first thing we'd have to learn to say as a people is sorry to one another. We'd have to admit to all these hurts that have gone on in the church. But my friends, Jesus has empowered us to do it. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the authority of his name. And he is saying, look, don't come worshiping me if you won't. He says, leave it at the altar. Don't play religion till you go and make peace. That will set you free. 
See, again, anger is a power, and I cannot stress that enough. We've all had it hit us one way or the other. We've had dad just go off on the handle when we were 10, and now we're terrified of something. We see anger as a power that just creeps on the bottom little news crawler on Fox. And it works in the world. And we want to do something about it, right? Well, Jesus' cross is what's going to take you into it. Because that's the unique Christian angle here in all this. We show anger to be the lie that it is. Because people think that getting angry will build up great nations, that it will build new people, that it will make them powerful. But let me tell you, the general who goes out and apologizes to his lieutenant who's mad at him has much better troop strength. The fighter who gets punched in the face and glances it off and even turns the other cheek, he's going to win. Because, I mean, let's face it, how many of us have turned to anger and regretted it later? Perhaps anger is what you struggle with. How many times have you, after giving into it, realized what you said? Did it really help? Satan's lie about anger is that we have to give into it, that it's got this power over us, that it's a force. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm giving you power. I'm giving you permission to stand. I'm even giving you a no, don't do it. So you don't touch the stuff. Because anger is weakness. Anger is just caring for ourselves, And my friends, God is pleading with each and every one of you. And I invite you afterwards to come yell at me or anything. I try to be forgiving. But Jesus, this one is not easy. But, but Jesus wants this to be hard. If you've got a King James in there, you probably read, if you're angry with your brother without cause. We now know going through the early Greek that without cause, it's only like two or three Greek letters. That wasn't in the original. There were early church people who couldn't un get, get this one because it's too hard. Jesus isn't giving us an out. But he kind of is because this is God's plea. This is why I had to give this message today. And this is the thing that's so important about it. Verse 25. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you'll never get out till you've paid the last penny. My friends, Jesus, God, he is pleading with us. And he's not looking for legal satisfaction here. Christ has given that. He's not looking for you to be perfect people who never get ticked. But he is begging with us on the way. He knows where anger and hatred and unforgiving spirits and all that is taking us. We're going to the judge. And Christ is here telling us, settle Settle with me. Take my love. Take my passion. Take it in faith. Do something about this, but don't go to court. That's the big issue. We know where this goes. None of the face will save you if you give in to anger. This is a spiritual insight that is in all of humanity. So we want these big fixes to anger. Well, we've got the big fix. We've got the victory won, but it's if we trust him to do it, if we trust to give him our hearts enough. Because Christ says, love me, you've got the kingdom. Believe me, it's done. Well, what is loving Christ? If you love me, keep my commandments. And his commandment here is love your neighbor as yourself. Don't get angry and don't cuss each other out. It's Sunday school stuff. But we want big fixes for those folks who don't go to Sunday school. Big fixes for the folks who don't go to church. Well, 
Yes, we should fix some of those things and we should do whatever we can practically. But we have a real problem with anger as a church, and I feel even I get called in on this. We have the law in our own eye, and we want to take the splinter out of everyone else's. But we are called to be a city on a hill, folks. How would that look? Well, Christians are 50% of the U.S. population. If each and every one of us decided that we would just listen to Jesus and cancel anger, We've solved 50% of the problem right there. That's why Jesus said, you're a city on a hill. You can't be hidden. If we put it under a basket, it will not happen. Yes, we need to take action that is practical on these issues of violence in the streets. But at the same time, we need to take action that is practical and deep down in our hearts to root out anger and just get rid of the stuff for good. And that's the final appeal. Jesus is saying, I shall come one day and I shall weigh everything. He's saying to each and every one of us, I know where you stand on the issue of anger. Some people are boring. It, it never affects them. They can't get mad no matter what. Some people are just sweethearts who can't get mad even when I kind of think they should. But we know where we stand on this. And Jesus is saying, I know where you stand on this. And you know what I have commanded you to do. And one day... Like it or not, you're getting up to the pearly gates or he's coming back. One day, if you keep going down that road, you'll end up in court. And Jesus is saying, yes, I save you by faith. But if I'm the one you believe, then believe me when I say you cannot stand the day of judgment if anger controls your heart. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it is very popular to say that anger is bad and love is good. But Lord, we live in a world where those Sunday school lessons quickly go out the window. We have bullies push us down, people cut us off, and sometimes it seems like the only way we can get anywhere is by getting mad and getting loud. And Lord, we thank you that our emotions are healthy, and that in many cases Christ shared them when he saw injustices and drove out the tax collectors. Lord, may we learn to use your word not as a legal system, but as a scalpel to cut in and take out the sickness so that your spirit may fill and consume and move through us to an angry and hurt world. We ask this in your most precious name. Amen. <laughs>